So that's, we are a fast process and we miss people, but I know a lot of organizations are like, well, and then we kind of get to it. And there's good reason people are overloaded, but nobody, that's that said, there's plenty of people who are still having, there's, there's people you can hire, but this is a great time to be trying to be a DevRel. It's a really hard time to be hiring a DevRel. Welcome fellow avocados to Developer Advocast, a podcast where we learn how the proverbial guacamole is made directly <laughs> from some of the most prolific dev advocates around. My name is Jeremy Hess, head of DevRel at Aquilas.io. And since you've already heard me, I'm Sharon Zisman, the bane of Jeremy's existence <laughs> and his jokes. Uh, I like to call myself the chief manual reader at rtfm.dev. And we plan to bring you every two to three weeks uh, new episodes, and we'll be interviewing some awesome folks. We'll be joking around because that's what we enjoy to do. And, you know, bringing, uh, you know, really great topics that we want to talk about in the DevRel sphere. We hope that you subscribe on Apple or Spotify, and uh, please give us a five-star rating. Here we go. Here goes nothing. I mean, uh, yeah, Wesley kind of spoke about this, but um, about like uh, DevRel's often being like kind of perceived as multidisciplinary heroes. Um, you guys talked about that in your, and like it's perceived they can do, you know, vision and strategy and planning and execution and beyond everything. And it's interesting. Uh, I, I, obviously, like I almost, Maddie said this also, like many roles kind of have this like crazy laundry list of un, um, mismanaged expectations and they like kind of catch all. Uh, so, Maddie, I've seen you historically uh, post very well-crafted, kind of very highly targeted roles to kind of the expertise that you're looking, um, you know, to gain when you're hiring like developer ad, because I remember you had one that was um, primarily focused on content, like a content expert. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to kind of t get your take on like how this helped you and hiring processes or um, did you feel like it eventually excluded, but, uh, well, you know? Well, the, 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 the funny thing candidate. is we still never actually hired anybody under that role um, as, as it worked out, but we did, well, but we did, it did help. Like uh, we just, cause think we did some other changes internally that made that not as big of a deal. So I don't want to say it was a fail um, and we, we moved things around, but what that does bring to mind is uh, when you're, you know, it's very uh, uh, job postings are cheap some are cheaper than others but it can really be if you're hiring for one particular headcount so to speak or not headcount but maybe inside your company it might be called developer advocate but you're sort of trying to create this you know voltron team while yes really at the end of the day everybody on your team has the title developer advocate but having a job posting for developer advocate you know, written content, developer advocate, community focus, whatever, because that, that does a couple of things. It lets you avoid that laundry list because part of why that laundry list happens, some of it is the stuff that Wesley talked about, which was the, I just don't know. So I'm going to ask for everything, but here's the real thing that most people don't rem realize though. First of all, I've said before, one of my tropes is DevRel contains multitudes. And the other thing along those lines is your DevRel team does not scale horizontally. Um, which means you need T-shaped people, you need or M-shaped or whatever letter we're talking about. That said, your team, so here's what ends up happening, right? And the same thing happens in engineering, and this is why it happens. The team needs all those skills. It ain't going to be one person doing it. So you're okay. listing all those things because you're not actually expecting one person. Some of you are expecting one person, but even 
being very generous. You actually aren't thinking you're going to have all of this, but I need you to have some of it. So you can do a couple, you can accomplish this a couple of ways. One way is you can do the, okay, here's, you know, we would like you to have some of these things, right? Like, and that's also not that hard to do people to just say like, even self-identify that this is a long list. We by no means, and in fact, at this point, it's such a trope to have these ridiculous lists that you could even have some fun with it and say like, don't worry, we don't expect you to have all of this. We'd like you to have some of it and tell Mm -hmm. us which is your thing. Or the other side of that is then you can target it more. You can say like, okay, of that laundry list, I know that my Voltron team I need for my DevRel team, I need a red lion that's really good at writing tutorials. And I need a black lion that's really good at doing speaking. And I need a yellow lion that's really good at, you know, I don't know, whatever else we do in this job. Um, (laughs) And then you could write all those, but at the end of the day, they're still for the same head or the same job wreck. And most, you can do that. uh, This even goes back to when I was hiring, I used to AB test on career builder and stuff. I'd have the exact same job and I'd write three different job posts that looked very different for the same job because it let me see like what, because it was targeted, it would target for different kinds of people, right? To sort of see because the same- I had no idea that that was done. Now you've just like kind of revealed this whole world to me of like, <laughs> it's not a, job descriptions. that's interesting well it could work in two ways one is i did it at first because it was my way of seeing like what job description was the better one that i wrote but then it turned into like because different people will respond in different ways right this is sort of even across like gender right men and women right. tend to do that both, both ways. So you almost want to Women write hate both the, of those uh, superlatives, the ninjas and the no, it's almost masters like, well, well, every, and the gurus. Um, yeah, everybody I'll should never hate those. <laughs> yes, but, never but, applied a job like that. <laughs> so don't be afraid to like list multiple, even if it's for one one thing. Um, I think that's really important. I think, but what is really the the key of that is you're not going to. It's also like Wesley said, there's this sort of like, what do we even mean by that? So if you can't say the work that you want to have being done, if you can't describe that, um, then you have no business hiring anybody yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And if, and so that actually helps you write that job description because a job description is literally, literally what work are you going to do? And if you look at that, this is the other thing too. Hiring managers rarely do this. Here's, here's my challenge to you person writing the job description would you freaking apply for that job? Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure some of these ridiculous job descriptions that people write, if they were on the other side, they'd be like, they, they, honest Not to God, and there. I bet I've done it. I bet all of us who've written a job description on here that we are all very good at saying the right way to do it. We have probably all written a bad one at some point and not been aware of it and never sat back to look at it through the lens of, because right. also think about this and then I'll stop talking for a minute. Um, how many different iterations and fingers in the pie go through a job description, yeah. right? Wesley's the hiring manager. He starts to write it, but then, you know, Jeremy's on the team and they ask Jeremy to put his two cents in and Sharon is the recruiter and she has certain legal things that have to go in. And then by the time it gets posted, <laughs> it doesn't look like anything that Wesley wrote anymore. Right. <laughs> So and, and it, has and it will not occur inside. to Wesley to go back and look at it again. That's sort of the yeah. thing. So I'm always saying, true. again, hiring manager, go look at what's actually on your website because it might not be what you wrote. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I've seen that. I never, I never, I never wrote a bad 
bad uh, description for a job description because I copy it from the best. So <laughs> and he said that it's like everybody just like hobbles a little bit of from here and there, and you're like, oh, that, that looks good. Like when you know like where stack, to look, when you know where to look, kind of code, same idea. Like, kind nice. of like let me just cobble that together. That looks reference good. not Locked found. In good. It's <laughs> <laughs> not. Um, one one last thought on job descriptions that just occurred to me. We feel like we uh, always remember that, you know, it's a two-way street about the candidate and the company. And job descriptions uh, either will have a mix of like, here's why we're amazing and we have unlimited PTO and ping pong tables and all this shit. And here's the three billion things you need to be good at. And rarely does it give a really good example of what you're actually going to do as the job. And it will be very vague. And I think it's really important to, because if you can't, again, if you can't quantify and be explicit about what that job is, then you probably aren't ready to hire somebody. And yeah. if it's really vague, like your responsibilities will include expanding our brand across the community. What, what does that mean? Give me something like you will write blog posts. You will write yeah. code examples in these four programming languages. You will be expected yeah. to travel and give talks on main stages or whatever. Like, tell me what the job is because we tend to wrap it into the very theoretical, right? You know, the outcomes, the outcomes are great. Tell me the outcomes. Cause that tells me you understand outcomes, but also the only time it's okay to be activity oriented in Devrel is in the job description, right? <laughs> it's not just about outcomes. Actually tell me what you're going to expect me to do. Yeah. Goals in smart format with guard bands, to understand what happens if you don't meet those goals. Like if it's understood that those are flexible or are those hard, um, when you when you get to the end of your evaluation period and you didn't meet these goals that were predefined, are there things that happen to mitigate that lack of success? Like were you not given enough resources? Were you not given enough planning? Uh, and is it that okay or will you get fired? So certainty um, in what you're needing to do and how you'll be evaluated is extremely important as well. That might be a little more specific than the job description needs, but you know. <laughs> I'm just saying the people who in are general, yes, doing yes. this. I, was just are, yeah, I would love to see that would be an amazing job description. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have one thought. I don't know where we're at, but there was one thing. Again, when you talk about like how hiring is different, and I think this is true of the market right now, but um, across tech in general, but Devrel really specifically, um, don't sleep on these candidates yes. because people, it is a very hot market for Devrel. Nobody is, is available for very long. So you need to look at your process. And if you have a, if it takes weeks for your first round recruiter to get back to someone, you aren't getting anybody. Right. Yes. And I've seen this in a lot of in with within at my organ, and this is not anything negative about this is just the process. I'm just saying, like, we have a fast process where I'm at. And people will go, they'll come in, they'll be, they'll reach out to me. They'll be like, Maddie, I totally want to come work at Plumy. I'm like, awesome. Here's my referral link. Get it in there. And I'll reach out to a recruiter. I'm like, ping Sharon, like she's ready to go <laughs> and everything. And by the time it happens, Sharon is texting me and going, Okay, I have three offers. Yeah. Right. So that's, we are a fast process and we miss people, but I know a lot of organizations are like, well, and then we kind of get to it. And there's good reason people are overloaded, but nobody that's, that said, there's plenty of people who are still having, there's, there's people you can hire, but this is a great time 
to be trying to be a DevRel, it's a really hard time to be hiring a DevRel because yes. it's so that said too, keep that in mind with your process. It's not only just how slow are you on things, but if you're going to go through like these rigorous, like, okay, you have to do a day long loop and you have to do all this and do all this other stuff. It's, besides the fact that there's people who just won't do it, that all takes time. And you know what? Here's the thing too, because we aren't all in person now. You know, interview loops used to be one day because you'd go to the office, you'd sit down just like I talked about. What now? I mean, what is it? It probably, if you're going to interview with five people in a company, that's probably over the course of one, at least a week, if not longer, because now they're, they're interspersing you or whatever. So this process we've gotten distributed is great. It's actually made the hiring process slower, I think, because mm -hmm. not everybody's in the office, by the way, none of this is a reason for return to the office. Don't do it. But you know, <laughs> I would say that that's true. I, as a consultant, right. I'm doing DevRel as a service. Um, I found that there are companies that are so slow to kind of like get back and kind of understand what they need and they drag their feet and it's like, oh, I'm not, I'm full, full capacity. There's so much need out there and there's so much, um, so many companies that need DevRel and they're not managing, they're struggling to hire DevRel. So they're outsourcing the capacity until they can, they can hire. And then it's the same slow movers until they kind of get their act together and know what they need and they craft their plan and they send you their contract. And it's like, all right, I'm. <laughs> out of time folks it's like uh so yes yeah, so you're it's a hundred it's true both on the hr side and 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 other aspects of devrel it's very very um fast yeah. moving right now sharon running out of time one last question yeah. pick it good luck choosing yours yours go for it i i'm, I'm on the blabber mouth i, you know, I always know <laughs> you know i mean there's there's a lot of there's a lot of questions to choose from here you know i mean we got already a lot of uh tips and and you know ideas on how to write the right description and what makes it the wrong description so that's great uh what about things like deciding on a role and you know what to call it you know like maddie you you were formerly a devops advocate right so you know how, how do you decide sort of how to name the the role and you know what's the difference so there's two places job titles come into play or there's two kinds of job titles um this isn't going to be a clever thing like lies and damn lies there is your official job title, which is often non-negotiable, and that is used and matters only within your HR system. And then there is what you call yourself. And my take in certain cases is that second thing, who gives a shit? Let your people okay. call yourselves what they want to call themselves. Exception is like a leveling thing. Like I can't just decide to call myself principal principal and right. give myself a, but but i'll give you the example you said i was a devops advocate so like that was a pagerll yeah exactly yeah at, at pagerduty we didn't really want to call ourselves uh developer of ad advocates because that wasn't the kind of we weren't really what that was just not our, our 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 jam but everybody on my team we all had like internally our internal title was developer evangelist, uh, uh, developer evangelist, one, two, three, four, whatever. That's what it's in the HR system. Fine. whatnot. Um, but externally, I was a DevOps advocate. I had people on my team that were community advocates. We had developer advocates and it was whatever. Uh, I also found that my title would change depending on who I was talking to. And it was whatever title was necessary to get them to listen. So if I was talking to executives and stuff, all of a sudden I became a global DevOps advocate or something like that, <laughs> right? Inflate your title if that's what's necessary 
So what you talk about now, that said, there's reasons I, I alluded to the evangelist. There's, I'll tell you, there's, you know, we've kind of the word evangelist as our role has come out of favor and for good reason, for two good reasons. One is it's a very colonizer term. It's a very overloaded term. But even if besides that, which is enough, that's enough. But to me, evangelism is one way. Advocacy is full duplex. It's bi-directional, right? Mm-hmm. So I always say that as an advocate, I advocate to and for the community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, again, from the title, the external title, like what you list, I'll tell you something. You go look at the Palumi careers page. Like we, we actually don't have any open roles on DevRel right now, but like half of those were made up titles, right? They weren't <laughs> what your title would be if you worked here. Like you would be a developer advocate. That's what we call ourselves. But we were content engineer. We were whatever. So it's okay in my mind. It's whatever helps you communicate what it is you do. I also think uh, evangelist doesn't feel like it's telling you the whole story. It's only telling you the good story, which is uh, uh, just part, part, part of the truth and part of the information that someone needs to actually make a really good decision. Continue. I feel like this is a, <laughs> that's a smart thread. I like that. Well, it's more of like, if I'm listening, it, I'm intrigued. <laughs> so if you, if you look at like Amazon and everything, and something that you want to buy has five stars, you might be skeptical about like, this can't be the right thing for everybody. And especially in, and when we're talking about tech and we're talking about tools, one size does not fit all. And so there needs to be a caveat about who or what is not a good fit for your organization or for your uh, your stack, or if it's not good for your workflow, all this stuff needs to be taken into account. And so if you're the bright and shiny thing in all cases, then you know that there's a lot of manure attached to that penny. So you, you want to kind of like make sure you say, this is not only what we're good at doing, but what we're not good at doing and how we fall down in some cases. So people don't hit those cases where uh, they they hear or fall for this s- song of how amazing this product is and then try to integrate it. And then they spend half the time like troubleshooting and patching or kind of like duct taping this into what they're doing. And all along, you look at some thread and everyone knew about this. It's not yeah. something that's going to be fixed. It's not something that's going to be designed around. This is a known issue. And I think if there are known issues that also needs to be in the same packaging packaging as uh, advantages of a product so that you not only just say the message of of what your product does and who's it for but you want to self-select or let people self-select saying no that's not for me and also turn away yeah makes a lot of sense i like that that's really smart um wow so much uh wisdom unpacked in this show and a lot of uh really that's a lot of something A lot of experience, that's for sure. Good, bad, and uh, and yeah, a lot of really helpful tips, really smart things about how to like kind of think about hiring, crafting really good uh, job descriptions, being more um, explicit about the things that are required and things are, that are elective and really, really great episode. Thank you both so much for, for all of this and sharing from your wealth of experience and, and maybe helping others that are just getting started on this journey to not have to fall through those kind of pitfalls that you and uh you fell into and um yeah that's uh that's my two cents on it thanks for having us yeah, yeah absolutely and any any uh, excuse i get to sit and talk to wesley and 
learn from him, I'll take. So yes. And I didn't even have to listen to the podcast this time. This time I got the <laughs> other way around, Maddie. Yeah, other way you have around. to be yeah, yeah. the podcast. That's right. That's fantastic. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. Had a wonderful time. And uh, we will hopefully see you again soon. And hopefully Tel Aviv, you know, DevOps Tel Aviv Days awaits, 2022. <laughs> you never know. I still need to make my way to Chicago. Never been. Never been. <laughs> September 21st and 22nd, DevOps yeah. Days Chicago. It's a nice one. Got to get out there. Okay. Other, other last three on Twitter. Picture. That is oh yes. Oh, are we shout outs? Running? Go for it. Yeah, we're still um, running. Go for it. Oh, okay. Oh, this wasn't shout outs. This was just me saying this is the lesson I learned. Another podcast lesson is this is why you need a tagline as much as it'll be annoying because you don't know how to end. You don't know how to end. It's true. Why and so mean? we had very early on, like, I don't know, when Trevor and I had just started doing arrested DevOps for like we were a few months into it. Um, we got on like a Google Hangout with like Jay Paul Reed and Nathan Harvey and just a couple other people that had been doing like DevOps podcast, just to sort of talk about process. And that's where Nathan said, he's like, you have to have a tagline. And he's like, with the food fight show, he said, I hate it. Like I jokingly said once, hey chefs, keep it hot. And he's like, now I've had to say it a hundred times, but <laughs> we have the thing. And that's where Paul Reed is the one who came up with, there's always DevOps in the banana stand. But that way we know how to end an episode, right? That's and I, I run into this on like my Twitch stream. I'm always like, Guacamole. <laughs> now I'm done. I don't know what to say. And so, so true. Yes. And it's as easy. Kind of I just say, see you on the internet. And on that thought, holy guacamole. <laughs> <laughs> holy guacamole. You there like it is. It, yeah, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, now you're going to do that every time. And it's going to be years from now on this podcast. Yes, and it's going to be part of history was this episode <laughs> is when you came up with that. This is fantastic. Thank you all so much. Holy 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 <laughs> Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for sticking around with us for season one of the Developer Advocast. We had a fantastic time, and we hope you had a blast and learned something, too. We look forward to continuing with season two right after the summer months, so hopefully September or October time. And we hope that you'll join us, and please let us know what you think of the show so far. And we look forward to serving up some more episodes with some fantastic advocates coming right up.